0: hello welcome to pwc worcester podcast thank you so much for joining us we pray that in your time spent with us you will be blessed and edified even as we grow in faith please enjoy and may the spirit of god illuminate your hearts on this resurrection sunday we are so blessed Privileged to be here to celebrate a victory that has already been won. Thank God that in the past three days he has found a way to speak to our hearts, to visit us, to touch us, to edify us, to heal us, most importantly to assure us of who we are in Christ Jesus. Many has been said that through the past three days, Concerning our theme, Scripture, which affirms the fact that those that are in Christ don't have any codes still hanging on them. We heard on Friday that there has been an exchange. heard again that a code that really tagged us, which gave us a foul label, has been erased. So now I walk my walk knowing that there is no label on me. I do what I do knowing that the enemy can't accuse me. Because just like Jesus, he's got nothing on me. It was because of the blood. Because of the blood. My sinful nature was exchanged. For His righteousness, my death, which was due me, exchanged for His eternal life. My shame was exchanged for fame. My poverty for riches. My weakness for His strength. Some of us, our grief for His joy. Our infirmities for his wholeness, our bandages for deliverance, above all our curses in exchange for his blessings. There was a divine exchange. Oh, I said there was a divine exchange and it still holds today. Therefore, we pray that even as we sit under his feet this day, Resurrection Sunday, that mindset should be what you hold on to. You are no longer a sinner. You are a saint of the Most High God. Even in Jesus' mighty name. Turn with me to our theme scripture. Even as we recap a few things and then talk about what the Lord wants us to talk about on this Resurrection Sunday. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. If you want to post the New International Version one first for me, and then we will look at the New King James Version as well. Colossians chapter 2, 13 to 15. Let's hear the word of the Lord. And when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. Somebody shout a big amen to that. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, this God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Verse 14 says, Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, He has taken it away, hallelujah, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphant over them by the cross. Somebody shouted big Amen to that. You want to put on the New King James Version for me for a second? It's a phrase that I just want us to take a look at. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made you alive together with Christ, having forgiven you all trespasses. And look at verse 14. Having wiped out, wiped out. Somebody say, wiped out. You're not saying it with passion. Wiped out. The handwritten of requirements that was against us. Which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way. Having nailed it to the cross. And having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them triumphant over them by the cross. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, as your word comes forth, may it bring conviction, may it bring edification, may it bring transformation. Above all, may we know who we are in Christ Jesus so that we'll be able to walk the walk that you have destined for every single one of us in this house. Your name will be glorified even now and forevermore. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I want to start off from where our elder ended yesterday with codes canceled, living victoriously. Codes canceled, living victoriously. I hope to then tie in into the living victoriously part, which is why we are gathered here this morning on Easter Sunday. The Bible says that every man born of a woman has a tag on him. Has a tag on her. Uh, you might say, well, but I, I'm i a child. I haven't done wrong. haven't done much. But the fact is, the sin seed is still in you. The sin DNA is still in you. Because our father and mother sinned. Now on Friday, our Father told us that we don't sin to become sinners. We are sinners, therefore we sin. Repeat that. Your sinning doesn't label you to be a sinner, but you are already labeled a sinner, hence you sin. The power of sin that is at work in men propels them and their tendencies to orient to sinfulness more so than sin. Righteousness. Because that DNA is still in us. And the so Bible says that God in his own wisdom in appropriating laws, we heard that whole lot this whole weekend, to then bring to justification and to satisfy his righteousness and justice, says, if you obey these laws, then perhaps I can see you in the light of the law, to be in the right. And if you were to violate these laws, then I'm looking at you in relation to the same law to be in the wrong. And anyone who is in the wrong in perspective of the law is doomed to die. Because whoever sins, the Bible says the wages of sin is what? Death. And so there were courts and laws and requirements and decrees written concerning sinfulness. Isn't it amazing that there was no solution for righteousness? Because all that the Lord did was paint to you how dark you are, how doomed you are, how sinful you are, how lost you are, how depraved you are. How do I get out of this? I don't know. That is the law. So codes were written concerning Every single one of us, I want to talk about three codes We we'll see what God through Jesus has done for you and I. There's the code of obedience. We know that code of obedience. Number one, write it down. The first sin was a disobedience. It would maybe sometimes we read scripture and we blame our fathers and mothers. Adam should have just kept an eye on Eve, and Eve should have known better. Sometimes we blame each other. Well, but yeah, you also should have kept an eye on me. The women would say that, and the men would say, "Well, but I told you, and you never listened. You just don't hear, right?" The whole point is disobedience. And as man willingly disobeyed God and willingly obeyed the enemy the code of disobedience from the garden was created. Hence, anyone who acted in the line of Adam and Eve had a tag of the code of disobedience on him. It was just in an explanation that God says, because your forefathers disobeyed by virtue of that, you are all sons of disobedience, daughters of disobedience. That was the code. But thanks be to God that we heard yesterday that God in his own wisdom could have let Jesus die in every other way. But he had to let him go through the cross. Because he needed to satisfy his just and righteous nature. How would the enemy then accept defeat if he were to be punished and the sons of disobedience, you and I, were left alone? God had to satisfy them. So Ephesians chapter 2, 1 and 2, as Paul will put it. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 and 2. And you were made alive, who were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, and according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit now which works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also... We all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature wrath of God. Wrath of God. So every 613 laws that were written were supposed to be followed just to satisfy the disobedience of Adam and Eve. Go figure. So if God were to judge you and says, this man is righteous, this woman is righteous, it would mean in perspective of the law that you have met all the 613 laws. 612 is not enough. 612 and a half is not even enough. You can't even say, I got 98%. It's still not enough. And if you were to violate one law, as we heard yesterday, you would have violated all. I wonder which one of us would be able to fit. And if we are grading, how many of us will be able to get summa cum laude? No chance. So the moment you violate one, everything comes back to zero. There's no cuts enough to it. Zero. And so no matter how you try humanly possible, you were still tagged with that code of disobedience, still sinner in the sight of God. Here comes Jesus. How did Jesus then reverse the code? Because our theme scripture says, having wiped out, having canceled the written code that was against us, that, that stood contrary to us. Took it to the cross and nailed it there. Turn with me to Philippians chapter two, verse eight. Philippians chapter two, verse eight. This is how Jesus dismantled that code of disobedience. And being found in the appearance as a man, he what humbled himself and became what obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Hallelujah. So, whilst we were disobedient to the laws of God, which warrants death, Jesus, in reversing the code of obedience, was obedient to death. And, as we heard on Friday or Saturday, I believe, not only in his simple death, not like he was going to walk around and have a heart attack and die, but obedience to the point of death. Death on the cross. The most humiliating type of death. The most painful type of death. The most agonizing, bloody, gory type of death. He was obedient to it. Romans 5:19. Romans five, Romans chapter five. For as one man, disobedience, many were made sinners. So also, oh hallelujah! Somebody say so also. By one man's what obedience, many will be made righteous. So. This is how this thing works. It's not the do's and the don'ts that God qualifies us to be righteous. Because we can't. We can't. I'm sure even before you were walking into this church this morning, some little thing may have happened. And so if God were to grade you, you would have failed everything. But Jesus, through his obedience, To death has satisfied every disobedience of sinful men. Therefore, when we confess our faith in Christ, are you following me here? And say, Christ is my Lord and my Master. And if my Lord and my Master is the one who has satisfied the code of disobedience, then God sees me also as what? Obedient. So I live in the shadow of Christ, if you will. I live in Christ's Paul will say that the life that I live Is not I but it is Christ who lives in me The one who loves me and died And gave his what? Life for me That is who I am Code Of disobedience This morning it has been wiped out I say this morning It has been wiped out Just in case you don't get too happy with it It doesn't mean that disobedience Now does not matter Because if Jesus is your master, then now who do you obey? Jesus. You live to please him. So Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And as you do that, God sees you righteous. That written code is gone. God doesn't see you as sons and daughters of disobedience. He sees you now in righteousness of God, in Christ Jesus. Somebody shout a big amen. Oh, hallelujah. The second code that I wanted us to look at, so that we can tie it all in perfect, ironically, is the code of perfection. Code of perfection. God's law intended that everything must be done Perfectly. And even in his redemption, if that were to go be happening, then we need someone who is perfect. And not only perfect, but someone who would qualify to be the perfect sacrifice. And so yes, you look through scripture and the Bible will say that, And God saw Noah as righteous. And God saw Abraham as righteous. And you see some figures in scripture that we all want to emulate because their lives, at least to our degree of examination, looked righteous. And the Bible says there was still no one righteous, not even one. And so if God were even looking for somebody in those days, you mention it, your favorite character in the Bible, and say, "I want to use this person to be that perfect sacrifice. He still couldn't find anybody. He himself had to be the sacrifice, because it's only him who is righteous. And so one of the calls that tagged us was that call of perfection. The theologians will say that we were in this depraved nature where we couldn't even save ourselves. Then could we do anything because the sin and its power has gripped us. And even if we wanted to, we just couldn't. Yet there ought to be a perfect sacrifice. How did Christ honor this? Hebrews 10. 11 and 14, the code of perfection, the need for a perfect sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 to 14. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. The question is, why were they doing it? Read that scripture again and think about it logically. Every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifice. So in your mind they were perfect. The routine was perfect. The tradition was on point. The sanctification of the priest and the whether he ought to wear linen and white cloth was perfect. Yet, when they kept doing the same pseudo-perfect sacrifice, the Bible says it could never take away sins. Yet, they kept doing it. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And in our mind, these were righteous priests. Righteous priest. Flip it. But this man. Oh hallelujah. Somebody might want to lift your hands and say. But this man. But this man. But this man. After he had offered one sacrifice. For sins forever. One sacrifice. Sat down at the right hand of God. Flip it over for me. From that time, wait until his enemies are made his footstool. Verse 14. By one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it is not about your perfection. You can't be. There's no way. You would be perfect. thank God that our high priest, Jesus, this man, has gone to that throne room of God, if you will, and sacrificed himself once. And by that means he has perfected, and the key word is forever, as opposed to daily, but forever, once, those who are being sanctified. So as you sit here calling yourself a believer, know that there's no code of perfection that goes against you. The enemy can come and accuse you and say, Oh, but he's not perfect. Oh, but she's not perfect. Oh, why, why, why are you blessing her? Oh, why are you opening doors for her? No, 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 no. It's not about my perfection. It's about Jesus who has made the perfect sacrifice on my behalf. Hence, he wiped out the written code. So, I was leading worship and he was talking about, let me be biased a little bit for the women. And that's okay. There's no need to be biased about that. But she was right on point. See how we have our wonderful mother sitting here and they having a really cushy chair sitting there. Back in the days, they probably would be behind this wall. Behind that wall. Because by law, they were imperfect. Imperfect. Thanks be to God. Oh, I said, thanks be to God. We have been made perfect by one perfect offering and sacrifice by a perfect high priest. That should be the way you should think. That should be the way you should operate. That should be the way you should walk as a believer. That as I am in Christ, I'm living a perfect life. Those who are being sanctified, that's you. Hallelujah. Hebrews 14, 4. Hebrews 4.14 also kind of frames the same thing. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Huh? Hallelujah. But was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Perfect. High priest. 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. That offering has created access for you and I to come boldly. Where there is grace and mercy. This morning, may grace and mercy abound. Ah, May grace and mercy abound. Even in the name of Jesus, because of that code that has been wiped out, canceled, in Jesus' mighty name. The third code, and then we will link into the victory that God, through Jesus, has brought us. The code of the Gentile exclusion chose us for a reason. The code for Gentile exclusion. I always say that in our days, if in fact we are being cajoled, we're being tithed, we're being sometimes forced to reach out to others and share the gospel, if it wasn't grace, God should really whip us big time. Hello? Mm-hmm. He should. He should really whip us big time. Because for you and I, we were way far, far off, not even close. Ephesians 2, 11 to 13. See what the Bible says. Affirmation to what I'm talking about. Code of Gentile exclusion. Who are the Gentiles? Simply put you don't have a Jewish blood in you, you're a Gentile. Simple put. So, it could be Jamaican, it could be Bahamian, it could be Kenyan, it could be Nigerian, Caucasian, it could be Hispanic. As long as we can trace a Jew gene in you, says, bro, uh, you're a Gentile. And in the law, Gentiles were, ew, ew, ew people, this ew people. How dare a Gentile come into the temple? No way to what Paul was saying to the church in Ephesus. Therefore, remember, somebody, therefore, remember that once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called what? The uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hand. That's how they looked at us. These guys are unclean. These guys don't belong. That at one time you were without Christ. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. And strangers from the covenant of promise. Are are you catching it? Even in this country when you have a green card, you're a resident alien. There are certain benefits that you can't even get. Remember, you are without Christ, being aliens from the Commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. See our state? Miserable. Hopeless. No benefits, no rights. We are just existing. We are created, all right? Ten to 13 for me. This one, let's read it together. But now, somebody say with passion, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. You're looking for a green card? This is your best green card. You're looking for citizenship? This is your best citizenship identity. Somebody's not shouting a big game in on this one for me. I know you need that green card. I know you need that citizenship. But this is it. And the amazing part of this is you pay nothing. Carban de you pay nothing. Mm. <laughs> mm. I didn't say it. Somebody says, no interview. No interview. There's no code on you for them. Right. Bring this. Bring that. No. Come. We who were far off have been brought near. <laughs> have been brought Near. Why do you walk like you have no hope? Eh? Sometimes we walk like eh, 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 eh. they're hanging in there, Christians. I've told you in this house. When somebody asks goes, "Bro, what's going on?" Never say I'm hanging in there, <laughs> because if you're hanging in there, any air can blow you apart. But say what I'm established. Who are you establishing? Christ Jesus. The cold of Gentile exclusion has been wiped off. So now we also belong. We also belong. That's why I said, if we belong, and we now want to monopolize the gospel, eh, we want to monopolize it just for us, God should whip us. Because for us, we did not even belong. But by the blood that was shed on Calvary, a all order code, a white order code. So that is what our brother was telling us yesterday in the evening, bringing our mind to this that where you are now, in this new life, new creation, new identity, you belong. You belong. So don't act as though you don't belong. The sad part about it is let me bring the analogy, right? Some of you are citizens, but you don't even know half of your rights. You have no clue the rights. Hmm. Somebody's preaching with me. I like that. Let me digress a little bit. The other day, a social worker who wants to work with the church came to me and we're just having a casual conversation. He says, Oh, Pastor. Are you aware there is funds that has been earmarked for COVID uh, families? And if somebody were to um, uh, test positive for COVID, uh, the city of Worcester is feeding the entire family breakfast, uh, uh, lunch, dinner for a whole week. I'm like, what? We've been trying to tell the church community and we can't find pastors to spread the word. You see? Right. Yet, you have no clue. See, so you probably caught COVID. You probably stayed home the week. You struggled to find food. Meanwhile, there were free food. Oh, mercy. Mercy. Know your rights as a citizen. Not here, but of the kingdom of God of the kingdom of God. That's who we are, church. No written code. Nothing excludes us. We walk boldly to the throne of grace and say, Here I am, Papa. I am here because I belong. Because the blood has wiped out all the written codes. It would have been enough if he ended there. Because our scripture says, Having disarmed, All principalities, after he has canceled all the legal indebtedness, he nailed it to the cross, triumphant over it. We would have all shouted a big amen. But he didn't end there. Because then that would have just been half of the job done. Because the Bible says, indeed, he died. And indeed, he was buried so if the one that came to save us is in the ground, then what's your hope? What authority do you have to stand on and say, oh, some dead person wiped my coat off. Some dead president wiped my coat off. Don't you have a clue that even when governors write laws, another governor comes and he changes it. When presidents and senators put in laws, election is coming. They can change it. The Bible says, a pharaoh came who had no clue who Joseph was. No clue. Joseph, second in command, who held the whole nation of Egypt through the famine so that they also would live. Another pharaoh came, he had no clue. So if Jesus has just ended there, And just, man, that's it. The enemy will still come knocking on your door and accusing you. But thanks be to God that when he died and when he was buried, the Bible says, on the third day, oh, somebody, on the third day, I said, on the third day, Jesus rose again and said, I am still here. My authority to cancel the written code still stands. You can't change it. You can't amend it. Because I am still here. Somebody be on your feet, be on your feet, be on your feet, be on your feet, be on your feet. feet. Begin to bless the name of the Lord for the resurrection. Jesus who has resurrected to affirm every written code that He has cancelled. Father, we thank you. Lift your mouth and begin to praise the name of the Lord. Somebody search. That is who you are. 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 are. He has risen. To affirm what he cancelled, Masabro San could not hold him captive. Even in the grave, He is Lord. Fought. I call the resurrection the final spectacle. Final spectacle. He just couldn't die. He just couldn't be buried. That was the end of the story. No way. No way. So in John 12, 23, John Gospel 12, 23 to 24, the backdrop to it is the Bible says, sudden grief came to the disciples and says, 'We we want to see Jesus. We, we, we want to know who this guy is. We want to have an encounter with this person. And this is Jesus' response. But Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that a son of man should be what? Glorified. 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. Other verses say, it only remains a seed. But if it dies, it produces much grain. And he was talking about his death and resurrection. I don't die and they don't bury me. And if I don't resurrect, fruits wouldn't be bad. Many would not see the saving knowledge. That is who we have come to know. So even if our sister was leading the worship, quoting Matthew's version, this is what Luke says concerning the resurrection. Luke 24, 1-8. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women With whom came to the tomb. See how Luke is even reporting it. He's even trying to pretend he doesn't know who Mary Magdalene is. See? Even there. Physician himself. Who should know better because they are precise in reporting. He intentionally, selective amnesia, writes that certain women Because in his Pharisee Jewish mindset, eh, there's no need for even that. Certain women came to the tomb bringing spices which they had prepared. But they found a stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. You see, it's not there. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this. That behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Verse 5 says, Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Hmm? Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Oh, hallelujah. Remember how he spoke to you when he said he was still in Galilee saying, The son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And on the third day, rise again. And the Bible says in verse 8, And they remembered his word. They remembered his word. Hey, this morning, remember the Lord's words. He is risen there that the Bill lived in Israel for how many years now 10 years if you need a guy a tall guy to Israel go see him you can go point to the empty tomb in Israel right now why do you look for the living or the dead among the living reverse it the way you want what am I trying to say the resurrection was key very important to all the wiped out and canceled and blotted out written code, which was nailed on the cross. It's good. But without a resurrection, our hope in Him would have been futile. So this is what Paul says. This is what Paul says. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. 1 to 4. First Corinthians 15. Turn there with me. This is Paul. The preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ says, More of a brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand. See? That is your identity. That is your resolve. By which also you are saved if you hold fast, that the word which I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. What is he talking about? For I deliver to you first of all that which I also received, That Christ died all for our sins according to scripture. And that he was buried. And that he rose again on the third day according to scripture. This is what is the gospel. And until you believe this. Until that is what you stand on. He says you have believed in vain. Thanks be to God. But indeed, he has risen. Uh, He has risen. Hallelujah. Why was it necessary, even for that to take place? Let's look at a few things and then we'll pray. Why was that necessary? The effects of this resurrection. Yes, our cancel codes have been done away with. They are no longer tagging us. Snailed nailed it on the cross. Disarmed all principalities. But even as we said, and our Father talked about it, that sometimes the schemes of the enemy still works against us. Number one, why the resurrection? The resurrection secures my justification. Secures my justification. Romans 4.25 simply says, He was delivered over to death for our sins, and was raised to life for what? Our justification. You want to make it personal? He was delivered over to death for my sins, and was raised for... My justification. Romans 4:25. Not only that, same gospel or the same epistle. Romans 5, 1 to 5. Romans 5, 1 to 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we stand and boast in the hope of the glory of God of God. Not only that, and I like this part, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. Character, hope. And the hope that is not to put us to shame because the love of God has poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit which He has given to us. We have been justified. What does that mean? We stand as if we have not sinned. Who is enforcing that justification? Jesus. Remember when we were in Sunday school or Sunday school teacher would say, whenever you sin and you confess, Jesus goes to God and shows forth his hand and says, you see, I pay the price. I pay the price. Please see him justified. It may have been Sunday school, but it's still doctrine. It's still true. We have been justified. He was delivered for death to wipe out all the sins. His resurrection brought my justification. Brought my justification. Quickly, number two. The resurrection infuses in me new life. New life. New life. life. If a kennel of wheat has to die, then what comes out cannot be the same thing. It has to be new life. Romans 6, 8 to 11. Romans 6, 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead, and he dies no more. (laughs) Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Are, Are you catching that? That is what we explain in Hebrews and so on and so forth. But check verse 11 out. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Likewise, lift your hands up unto Jesus. You're making a confession unto him by faith. Lift it up, somebody. I declare that all the written codes that stood opposed to me have been canceled. Some of you are not speaking. You're not speaking. You're not sure about who you are. Speak it. Let the enemy know who you are. I declare that every written code that stood opposed to me has been canceled in the name of Jesus. Christ Jesus died once and for all to wipe these coats. Therefore, me too or I too, I died to sin and I live to righteousness in the name of Jesus. I sort of became into that. That's your declaration, not mine. He can't wipe that written code. He can't die and be buried and raised again. And we still find ourselves in the same state. He says, When we died with him, every sinful nature in us also died. And when he resurrected and we were resurrected with him, newness of life began. That's you. Don't give the enemy some footstool for him to just brag and point fingers at us. He has no right to do that. Song that he praised him sung, what has he done? Do you remember what he's done for you and how far he's brought you? Uh, Nobody should tell you to just live in Christ. Just just be in him. As a matter of fact, let him live through you. Let him live through you. Because sin should never be something that should be next to your name. Carl sin. God forbid. Omega sin. God forbid. Your last name must be Carl Jesus. Omega Christ. Because that's who you are. Sinful nature is good. I'm saying this under the unction of the Spirit. Listen. If you are here and you are struggling in sin, and you are thinking you are all cool. You are just, just keeping it. Nobody sees it. Listen, the Bible says, He who hides his sin will never prosper. Everything that we are talking about will never come to pass in your life because you are still remaining in your own self. But He is just and faithful. That if we confess all our sins, He will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So don't leave this Easter convention with this hardened heart thinking I just went to church and the yeah, apostle preached and the yeah, that's all. Repent! Repent. So that you also will live this life that is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. There is newness of life in me. Newness of life. Number three, I'll run through this quickly. The resurrection brought me divine power and enablement. Divine power and enablement divine power and enablement Romans 8 6 to 11 for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God nor indeed can it be so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God look at verse 9 but you are not in the flesh Oh, somebody say I am not in the flesh Say with passion, I am not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. And now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he is not his. And if Christ is not in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is alive. If Christ is in you, forgive me, the body is dead to sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. How is all these things going to be? Verse 11 makes it clear. Because if the spirit of him who raised from the dead, right, Christ dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also quicken or give you life to your mortal bodies through the spirit that dwells in you. Same resurrection power, same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you lives in you. Somebody say, he lives in me. Just shake your body a little bit. He lives in me. Shake your body a little bit. He lives in me. And so he's quickening your mortal bodies. Life. Breathing life into you. So the things that you couldn't do before, now you do it without even thinking about it because that's part of your life. I've always said that the new life in Christ is not a chore. And repeat that. It's not a chore. when I get up in the morning and I'm figuring out what to do. But it should be an inherent nature of who we are. Just like you breathe air, you don't think about it. It should be an inherent nature because that's who we are. If you have to get up every morning and figure out what you need to do to make sure that you are pleasing God, you are still in the law days. But the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, which lives in you, it quickens your mortal bodies. It quickens your weak bodies. It quickens your mind that is always gravitating towards things that are not of Him. You begin to think like He thinks. Live like He lives. All to His glory. Oh, hallelujah. The resurrection brought us new life. We were dead in sin. We have been raised to life through the Spirit that raised Him from the dead. That is who we are. Quickly, the resurrection secures my eternal life eternal life there's no way Jesus could talk about eternal life if he himself had remained in a grave so when he says I go to a place to prepare for you and when I'm done I'll come get you it means he actually resurrected because the place that he's preparing is not a grave it would have been easier but that's not where he wants us to go therefore the resurrection secures my eternal life 1st Corinthians 15 and then we will pray. 1st Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 14 to 24. And if Christ has not risen, Paul talking to us, then our preaching is empty. And your faith is also empty. And yes, we have found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise, if that were the case. If in fact the dead did not rise. Verse 16. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen either. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. And you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished in vain. If in this life only we have this hope, then we are the most pitiful. Thanks be to God. Verse 20. But now, oh hallelujah, Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as Adam all died. Even so, in Christ, all shall be made alive. Oh, hallelujah! And then he goes on to say, "But each one in his own turn Christ, the first fruit, and afterwards, those who are Christ are uh, His coming at His coming." Twenty-four. Then comes the end when, his, when He delivers the kingdom of God, the Father. When he puts all things under his rule and authority and power. Those who died with Christ will resurrect with him. My eternal hope is secured. Oh, hallelujah. I, 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 I can't wait. Said multiple things. I told my wife that if we ever get there, I have some few questions that I need to ask him. Uh, but the amazing thing is the Bible says all things will be made clear to us. And therefore, we may not even need to ask him anything. But what am I saying? In Christ, your hope is secured. Things may not be going all right in your own judgment here. I get it. And last Friday, our Father told us, the already and then there would be, right? So some of us, the already has not yet happened, manifesting in our lives yet. But we can be assured for there would be. And so Paul says, if this here is our only hope, then we are the most pitiful. Because Jesus has resurrected and going to prepare a place for you and I. You're watching from home, you probably don't know what we're talking about. We have an eternal hope in Christ Jesus. Yes, we live here, but our home is in heaven. We are citizens of the kingdom of the Most High. And therefore, if you're here and you have not had a relationship with Him, we invite you to join. Again, as somebody says, you don't need even an interview. There's no need for screening and background checks on you. Come with your whole baggage because some of us had worse. And he welcomed us, took us as his own. Why? Because that written code has been canceled. And it applies to you also, and applies to your children and your children's children. If only you accept him as your Lord, your Savior, and your Master, then you also will have an eternal hope. This is the word of the Lord for us. That on this Resurrection Sunday, even up from Friday, all that the Lord has spoken to us through various speakers. Not to reread all, because go back and listen to it in our podcast and apply it to your life. Know that you are no longer in that old self and state of yours. Whatever the enemy thought you were, you are no longer that person. Because Christ has paid that price every code, every label, whatever the enemy said concerning you, some of you may even just be yesterday, it is wiped out. You now live in the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. And by his resurrection, he has given us a new life. An assurance that we too will live. We will live here and we'll live in our eternal hope. May the Lord bless you. May he strengthen you. May that spirit that raised Christ from the dead on this Easter Sunday be your portion. As a matter of fact, it is in you. Allow him to rev himself in you. Allow him to what? He says he will quicken your mortal body. So that you begin to live your life victoriously. All to the glory of the Lord. Shall we be on our feet? Shall we be on our feet? Shall we be on our feet? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I mm. just want you to take a few moments here to meditate upon the word that has come forth. Those of you that heard that invitation and you want to accept the Lord as your Lord, your Savior, and your Master, we just want to give you that opportunity You're in the sanctuary. You don't need to come for it. Just lift your hands up as all of us eyes closed and meditating upon the Word. If you're watching from home, wherever you are, we just want to give you this opportunity to also be a partaker of this prize that has already been paid. Oh, thank you, Lord. If you are in that mood, I just want to pray with you. Just say this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you that you came to die for me and I was wiped out. All the codes that stood opposed to me. On this day, I accept you as my Lord, as my Master, as my Savior. Come into my life, quicken my mortal body, cause me to live a life that is pleasing to you. I thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us. We pray you were blessed. Please don't forget to click on the other episodes to continue in your journey with us. Don't forget to also share and follow this podcast. May the good Lord bless you.